Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. Turn with me, would you, to the book of Samuel. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to read a little bit and I want to share with you a message that is really going to bring freedom in this place. If you're making notes, it's called enthroned. But this morning, I love the procession of praise that enthroned the presence of Jesus in our midst. I just am so grateful that Judah goes first, that we get to praise and worship, and that God gets to open things um, up to us. So let's read. Are you with me? 2 Samuel chapter 6. Are you there? Have you turned in your Bibles? Let's go. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went up to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Some of you might have seen a few of us this morning doing that. I believe that there is even so much more. There is so much more freedom. There is so much more expression. There is so much more celebration. There is so much more rejoicing. And it's not because we want to be on display for you. It's because we as a body are on display for God for the sake of the world around us. So I am preaching because there is freedom that's coming. There is understanding that's coming. And I am preaching this message. I want you just to know how it works for us. Um, God, God gave us a word at the start of the year, and I've been studying and tracking. We've been talking with leaders. We've got direction. We know where God's, what we think God is saying, but um, Sam Robertson was up on this platform preaching a prophetic word to us as a body over the conference a couple of weeks ago, and he preached on the same message. And God said, Ryan, reframe your message because I need you to continue to tap in to the flow of the prophetic of what God is doing here. So that's why we're on this flow. So David was dancing while all he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets. Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, David sacrificed burnt offerings, fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the mighty name of the Lord Almighty. You heard Trevor say a few moments ago, there is a a crossover that we come from, from being blessed because God wants us to prosper. I believe he does. But being blessed so that we can be generous. All of these things, as I begin to preach to you, you'll see this. All these things track through when we enthrone one person and one person alone in our midst. And so David, not only was he a great king, a great shepherd, a great musician, he was also a great baker. And he gave loaves of bread, cakes of dates, and cakes of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israel, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, 
Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, walking around half naked in full view of the slave girls and of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father and anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humble in my own eyes. But with these slave girls of which you spoke, I will be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children until the day of her death. Why is this moment so important in the life of a nation? You see, we, we look so often at stories in the Bible through a perspective or a compartment. We compartmentalize things of religion. And we can just think, well, that was like a, a religious festival. Or that was like a church meeting. Have you been to Revival Fires? It kind of sounds just like a Revival Fires church meeting. Amen. May you continue to do it, Lord. And we, get, we can get... Um, minimalistic. We can actually lose the power of what happened in this story. And I want to tell you why this moment was so significant. King David had been anointed as the ruler of a nation. And scholars say, depending on how old he was, when he was called from the field and Samuel came to anoint him, it was between 13 and 18 years of waiting from that moment of anointing to this moment here of coronation. To this moment here of bringing the ark in. And so you can imagine, David's been waiting and longing and looking forward for this moment for a long time. What are the things in your life that you're looking for completion in? What are the things in your life that you're, you're, you've been hoping for God to bring to, to completion so that you can celebrate it as well? This was that moment. But what did David do? He didn't stand on the throne and prepare an amazing preach. He didn't stand on the throne and say, right nation, here is my three-point plan to tackle poverty. He didn't say, guys, here is my five-point plan to defeat our enemies, the Philistines. He didn't say, our economy needs help. I know just the thing we're going to do. That's what you would expect a leader to do, wouldn't you? You know, there's 65 nations in the world this year alone that are going through election. England is one of them. We are in a pivotal time. And how amazing would it be if our leaders got up into a place of being elected? Because that's what would happen here. David was just, finally, he was the leader over not just a tribe, Judah, but the leader of a whole nation. How amazing would it be if a ruler, our ruler, got up and said this, guys, I don't have a plan for the economy. I don't have a plan for the enemy. I don't have a plan for poverty. I don't have a plan for our future. I have a plan to bring the presence of God front and center into our nation. Wow. Here's what David's doing. He's saying, I'm a king. You think I'm a king who's going to lead your nation. But no, people. Here comes the king of kings who is going to lead your nation. David is saying, you think I'm a leader. No, people. Here comes your leader, Yahweh, God Almighty. And he's bringing the ark of God right into the center of a nation. It's not just a box. It's not just some praise and worship. It's not just a guy having a certain expression of freedom that his wife found offensive. We minimize the story. This is a huge deal. The king is enthroning the king. And, and what I want to say to you is that David realized this. 
complete, nothing is complete until God's presence fills it. Nothing has function until God's presence fills it. Even in our lives, I want to speak to you that there are moments of completion that you will step into at the start of the year because God isn't wanting you to spend 2024 on catch-up, looking backwards. But there are moments of completion. How will you know that you do it? You do it by this. You enthrone the King of Kings right here in your midst. The King of Kings is coming here. We are a procession people. We are proclaiming His rule and His reign in the midst of us. So what does that was, that was then, Ryan. That was all those thousands of years ago. What does the ark signify to us today? If the ark was the very seat of God's rule and reign. You see, for God's people, it represented the, the seat of God when He reigned on earth. It was His very dwelling place. It, we, we are so blessed by what God has opened up to us that we are now his dwelling place. So the ark represents the Holy Spirit coming and filling us. If we were to do this, it's the Holy Spirit coming and filling us. And it's exactly this. It's not just the Holy Spirit because we don't get access to the Holy Spirit except through the blood of Jesus Christ, except through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we only get access to that because of a God who so loved us that he sent his son. And so every time we see the ark, what does it mean for us today? I want you to know that you have been chosen as a carrier of the glory of God. You have been chosen. That was the whole purpose of the love of the Father in sending the Son to wash you and bring you into, here's this word, freedom through the blood so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and you could say, Ryan, but David was the king of a nation. Have you read the Bible? It says that we are to be a nation of prophets, of priests, and of kings. So what area in your life do you need to enthrone the Holy Spirit in? What area in your life do you need to bring the presence of God into today? Let's, let's not just talk about this week. Let's talk about today. Because this is not just something that we do as a leadership on part, behalf of a church. We totally do. But we do it because we want to teach you how to do it. How can you bring the Holy Spirit into the midst of everything that you're going through? And you know, we need the Lord Jesus in the, our personal lives. We need the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's lovely to have a, the idea of the ark because you can see it, can't you? I don't know if you've ever read some of the, the amazing uh, children's storybooks or maybe even watched some of the TV shows about, about Jesus and about um, the story of the nation of Israel. And it's great to visualize it. You can see it. But I want you to see, not just a box, but I want you to see the power, the presence, the presiding glory of the Holy Spirit actually coming into your life. We need Him personally. We need Him for in our minds, in our souls, in our hearts, in our strengths. We need Him. We need Him in our family. What situations are you going through in your family? And I'm not just talking about husbands and wives and children, but even your grandparents, even your friends. What about things in your workplace? Can you carry the presence of God into your workplace? What would happen? And I've already said, Ryan, that's, that's not, that's not um, some people might think that's not for me because I'm not anointed king. I'm just, a, I'm just a mom or I'm just an accountant. I'm just a school teacher. I'm, I don't, you know, I don't need that in my life. Let me tell you, friends, 
we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Bible is very, it says this, and it's very, very clear. He says that I want you to be the head and not the tail. You see, when we go around life thinking, well, that's really great. I could do with the Holy Spirit to come and move amongst me in my quiet time. So when I read the Bible, I can understand him. But, you know, I'm not really comfortable. Why? Because we're afraid. We're in bondage. I'm about to get to the places where the enemy wants to keep us in bondage are always the places when we move to bringing his presence into our lives in a greater way. So God has not called you to be the tail. Go on. Tell the person next to you. He's not called you to be a tail. Tell them on the other side. Stop being a tail. God's called you to be the head. God's called you to rule. God's called you to reign. God's called you to be an answer. God's called you to carry power. God's equipped you with glory. God's called you to be a breakthrough. God's called you to have the answer. God's called you to be a balm. God's called you to bring healing. God's called you to do supernatural. God's called you for signs, wonders, and miracles. God's called you to do stuff that you can't do on your own. The only way we do this is when we say, come Holy Spirit, just like David, I enthrone you right now in the midst of my life. I bring you in. I carry you in. I dance over you. I celebrate over you because you are the most treasured possession. You are the one thing I need in my life more than I need a degree, more than I need to worship, more than I need anything. I need you. I need you right front center in everything that I do. And that is the heartbeat of a disciple that is the heartbeat of what God's called us to do when we live in this way guess what happens revival Jesus we need your Holy Spirit and listen you can turn your eyes over there you might have seen it on the on the board you might have seen on a website you might have seen it in an engaged course and we we have a vision because it's important because the The Bible tells us that my people perish without a vision. And there's a vision in this expression of church and revival fires. And it's this, that we are present-centered, people-focused, community-oriented. But I want you to know, if that is only just some clever little phrase on on a wall over there, and it's not affecting you here, we're not doing our work. It's got to affect us inside here. Let me tell you how this works. There are so many amazing testimonies. I'm just going to pick out a couple Years and years ago, when the Holy Spirit was starting to move in this place, ah, we responded to what God was doing in in, uh, Florida and Lake Stone, and we went over with faith to carry what God was releasing, and Trevor was sent with a mandate, carry this fire to the UK and beyond, and and we came over here, and healing started to break out. But I'm I'm saying, because it wasn't like, it wasn't that I had done University of Healing, I know you did a lot of universities, Trevor, but I don't know if you did University of Healing. (laughs) I didn't teach you that. I tell you what, the only university I'm figuring out when following the Holy Spirit is the University of Surrender. The University of Awkward Spaces. The University of Dying to Yourself. If you guys think this feels awkward me talking to you, try and be me. 
But this is, this is it. It wasn't that I was something special. It wasn't that we were something special. We just said, yes, God, you can move in healing. We opened the building up. And let me tell you, thousands flocked in. And night after night, Holy Spirit, you were front and central. People touched the presence. Let's call it the ark. They, cut, they touched it. They touched the seat, the ruling place of God's power, where sickness had no authority because God was the ultimate king. And healings happened. And this is what I mean about presence. People came here. And they said, I need this. Our church needs this. And Drew, a good pastor friend of ours, you've probably seen him at conferences, was one of them. He came and he said, I need this. And what happened is what God was breaking out here began to break out there in the south coast. What God was doing here began to break out there. And, and there's just like we talk about Marindera and Zimbabwe. We've got friends leading a church there. I don't know if you, you, you don't know this because I haven't told you, so I'm going to tell you. Ngoni is their worship pastor. His name is Ngoni. Can you say Ngoni? Come on, I want to hear African accent. Ngoni. You sound better than me, let's be honest. He watches the meetings. He wants to come on the worship school. But he, he, and, and I talk to him about once a month, and he says, Ryan, what the songs that you're doing, we're doing, and the Holy Spirit is breaking out in our meetings. What a joy. Is that my, like, listen, I take great pride in that, but a holy pride, (laughs) but that's got nothing to do with me. What I'm trying to put across here is that what God does here through his presence, you can take a hold of and it can happen in your homes. This is the point. This is not just about us telling testimony that make us look good. Um, Trevor, you were over at Luke Baldwin's Presence Church and prophesied about a building. They moved into their building this morning. They started their first meeting. Wow. You see, we, we have to be generous with what God's given us because he wants to break out in other people what we've gone through. And that's what I'm talking about. The presence of God is not just words on a sign. It's in this place because you are called to carry the Holy Spirit into every sphere of your society. I don't think you're getting that. Are you, you are called to carry the Holy Spirit into every sphere of your society. Come on at the back. Give me a shout. Come on. Yeah. I got my two sisters of thunder. Heaven turns at your prayers. It really does. So how much do we value this? Oh, we want this. We need to enthrone God in our lives. But I want you to know that this is where the freedom comes in. Because the enemy loves to position strongholds at points that would prevent you from enthroning God. The enemy loves to position strongholds at points that would prevent you from stepping into your true identity. What identity? I'm t- I, they, you are the head and not the tail. You are a prophet, a priest, and a king. You are chosen. You are called of God. So let's just look at this for a bit. What are some of these strongholds? And we can look at what Michal said to David. I, I want you to know a couple of things because I'm going to say some things. And I'm not saying go home and start talking to your spouse like this. Okay? <laughs> talking to your your parents like this or your friends because there was a spirit that came upon Michal that we can learn the strategy of the enemy in the places that we're going through right now. I would love to tell you that this isn't true. That every time I've gone to seek the presence of God, it's just been so easy. Every time I've come to step up and minister, it's been so easy. But the enemy has positioned, and here's what he's positioned. 
despising spirit. That's what was working in the life of Michal. And she rolled her eyes at David. She looked from a distance and she despised him in her heart. And I want to preach a message of freedom today where we dismantle the despising spirits. Where we dismantle the strongholds that have come against us. And so no more will we be hindered in bringing God's presence into the areas of our lives. That word despising, it means to lift your head loftily and in a disdainful way. It means to to look with contempt. It means to try and make something small by you raising yourself up. Do you know what it is? The stronghold is pride. That despicable spirit that slithers in when we don't even realize that we're operating in it. It's pride. And God wants to remove it from our midst. He wants to remove it. And this is, I'm not speaking in guilt. I'm going to tell you a testimony what happened to me on Thursday night. Because friends, I got delivered. Your pastor needed deliverance? Your pastor needed deliverance? You betcha I did. We all need deliverance. Let me, I wasn't, my spirit belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I gave my life to him, his Holy Spirit came upon my spirit and I cannot be possessed. But there are areas in our lives, our minds, our souls, our bodies, where we can be oppressed. And I was delivered. And I want to share this testimony because it's, it's, it's talking about this despising spirit, okay? Trevor taught, the Holy Spirit moved. We stood up and we, we were praying our prayers and there was a specific prayer of ancestral sin. So, so the way that we have been, that we think from the way we've been showed how to think, okay? The way that we think because of maybe patterns that we lived in and were brought up through. I, you know, I come from Zimbabwe and in that country, it, when, when I was a young man, which was quite a long time ago, Okay. <laughs> You know, I know that there are young people here today, and I want you to know I'm not going to keep standing here and saying I'm young, and you thinking, Ryan, heck, no, you aren't. You guys are young. There's some young people here. It was a while ago, so society looks different now. But there was a spirit of intimidation in the country, okay? And there were so many things that we should have stood up against. There were so many things that my mom and dad should have stood up against. And I'm not talking government, okay? So I know there's Zimbabweans here, Zimbabweans watching online. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about morality and society. But, but there was a spirit that silenced us because of fear, right? So I grew up with that. I didn't even realize it was here. But then there are things that would happen in my life like in the last five years, in the last five months, in the last 15 years, that I would feel like I need to say something, but I didn't because a spirit of fear was operating, a despising spirit that made me feel as though my voice wasn't worth it, right? And it would put me down. And I would then collaborate, partner with this and not say anything. What would happen? Trauma would come into my life. Because I'd, I'd be like, oh man, uh, why is no one listening to me? I just, I just must not be worthy, you know? Maybe my voice really isn't worth it. Maybe what I have to say actually isn't that valuable, right? And, and what can happen is, this is the point I'm making, there was no Macal telling me that. There was no government telling me that. It was a demon, right? But the, what the demon does, it makes me think I am unworthy. But you know what? I'm the head and not the tail. 
I'm chosen. God's called me worthy. He's died for me. So why then? So where is this coming from? And you see, we identify with it. And so we, we make um, ourselves the enemy instead of saying, no, you are from the pit of hell and I'm commanding you to get back there. So we're praying there and we're just praying out the words. It's as simple as that and breathing out saying, because the, the, it's a spirit thing. We say, out of the breath of our spirit, Lord, we cast you out. And I saw black talons in my mind like a vulture. What is it with me and birds? I mean, God knows how to speak to me. God knows how to speak to you. He has a visual pictorial language that he will communicate with you that is unique to you. So take notice of it. That's because I I like birds, by the way, guys. I go bird watching. Yeah, I know. I said the University of the Holy Spirit is embarrassment and surrender. I'm going through it again. And I just saw the talons coming out of my mind. And I was reminded of Abraham in Genesis where God wanted to make a covenant with Abraham, but the vultures of the air came and sat on the carcass and he had to shoo them away. And I just started shooing these birds away. And I me tell you, I felt like I was floating on hot air balloons. I felt like, I felt like there was a hot air balloon attached like helium lifting me up. I was walking around like this, you know? And Ben's like, Brian, Dad, you're so tall. I'm like, yeah. Freedom. Freedom. God wants freedom. So, so these, these spirits, they, they, you over-identify with them. And, and you make them your problem. But they were never your problem. you got to throw them away. So let me tell you some of these strategies. What are some of the strategies of the enemy? Because he wants to hinder you from enthroning God. He wants to make the problem your problem. He wants to hinder you from stepping into your true identity. And then your true identity is your function. This, this, this word despise, the despising spirit, oh, it's used of two characters in the Bible. It's used of Esau. He despised his birthright. And so he gave up something that was valuable because he despised it. And it's used of Goliath. Goliath looked at David when he was a boy and he despised him. And do you know what happened in both of those stories? This is what the despising spirit does. Because of pride, it makes you look down at something that's small that you think isn't worthy and it makes you miss what God is doing in your life. Church, I'm breaking off of every one of you missed opportunities, missed moments, missing things because we, we missed, we didn't think it would look like that. We had an expectation based on a, a demonic spirit that we were lofty and looked down on the small things. What does the Bible say of Jesus? He dwells amongst the lowly in heart. A bruised wick he doesn't snuff out. And a a bruised wick he uh, reed he doesn't break. He walks among the lowly. It's just like the enemy to make himself look the opposite to Jesus because he wants you to miss your moment. There is no more missing because we are dismantling the spirit of pride in this place. So what are some of these strategies? Let me tell you. He wants you to see life from his perspective. This, this spirit wants you just to see from his perspective. Now look at Michal. Where was she when this was going on? It says all of Israel was celebrating, but one wasn't. They were at a distance in a window looking down. Let me tell you, the perspective that the enemy has, he wants to put it upon you. 
And God is saying, free, true freedom comes from seeing my perspective for your life. In any areas of distance in our heart, we have to be very careful of it because the enemy would want to come and sit upon that and use distance in our lives to create division and, and to divide and to pull apart. This is a time where we say, Lord, I want to draw so close to you. Lord, I'm going to draw so close. And in the drawing close, he is giving us discernment to not just see the perspective that the enemy wants. You see, they want you to only see their perspective. I've told you the, the testimony already of the talents. And I was, I was seeing the problem, the perspective that I was seeing was it was me. And that was the enemy's perspective because he hates me. The enemy hates us. And when, I, when God set me free, I could see with clarity what he was really saying. He wants us to change our perspectives. You know, I believe that there's even an element of this despising spirit at work in the West Midlands. You go and meet anyone and tell them where you're from. If you guys have that beautiful black country accent, Margaret's getting it. You watch the TV shows and they choose a villain. What accent does he have? He's a Brummie. <laughs> we are breaking the despising spirit even over this region. No more may a veil be put over it because God is doing something new and he's doing something here and he's doing something with us. I know that there's people from many nations here and it's such a joy to have you. And I want you to come into a place where the heavens are open because we have cleansed the atmospheres. And when you come from another nation into this nation, you don't have to live underneath that despising spirit. You might not know what I'm talking about with the accent, but I'm telling you it's there. But we're breaking ourselves free from that. In Jesus' name. Stop missing out even on responding because of what we think other people think of us. You know, and this is just something on perspective. Often, even in a meeting like this, we know that there is freedom for us. We can feel it within us. Maybe there's a word of uh, uh, ministry and response, and we know that we just need to stand up. We need to, we need to come forward. We need to say yes. But what happens is that we have a perspective of the enemy, a stronghold of the spirit that says, but if you do that, you will look really awkward. If you do that, what will they think of you? If you do that, you'll lose all of your credibility. Do you really need to respond? Your life's not that bad. You guys have felt like that before. That was the very thing that I had to overcome when I first was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was a 15-year-old boy. We went on a youth camp. There was an amazing worship team that came over from Grand Rapids, America. It, doesn't, it shouldn't matter because it's not that America is any more powerful than anywhere else. But when you're a young kid, it kind of does matter. You know what I'm saying? And they came and they, they led worship. And, and there was um, my 15-year-old friends just starting to cry and snot was coming out. And God was moving on them. And it was amazing. And I was looking around thinking, what's happening? 
Like I, I was a musician and I wanted to be on the stage leading worship, but they said, no, we've come to bless you. You need to be in the crowd. And I was kind of like awkward. I'm like, I don't quite know what to do. I've even got a guitar around me, you know, and I'm kind of looking around and I hear the still small voice that you know is only the Holy Spirit. And he says these three things or these few things, taste and see. That's all he said. And I, I knew straight away that wasn't from my spirit. And I knew that was in the Bible. So I thought, okay, I'll close my eyes. Obviously, I think people are watching me because, you know, I want to be cool. I've got, I've got a, um, a reputation to keep. I have an image to uphold, you know. So I closed my eyes and I just, all I did was I lifted one hand. I'd never raised my hand in worship before. That's all I did. I lifted one hand. And like that, the generous, gracious Holy Spirit poured into my life. I had been raised a Christian, but it was my mom and dad's religion. I'd read the Bible, but it wasn't life to me. And one simple reaction, I said, I will taste and see. And I lifted my hand and he flooded my life. The next 48 hours, they called me Ryan's cry a lot. Like I just couldn't stop bawling. Someone would start singing a worship song. Open the eyes. <laughs> I was just God. Like I was so overwhelmed by the love of God. And that's what is available for us if we step across the perspective barrier of what we think the enemy thinks about us. Stop thinking his thoughts. Get those talents out. The next, the next strategy is this. Whose voice will you listen to? Do you hear what Mikhail says? Can you hear the sarcasm in her voice? Oh, how distinguished the king of Israel made himself. Like the voice that she was saying. And, and this, this is the point about whose voice are we listening to. How many times do we talk about this story of David dancing and we say these things? He was naked. Right? How many times have you said David danced naked? And we're like, well, maybe he had underpants on. I don't know. Like, you know, he stripped down. Maybe he was wearing something. Do you know whose opinion, whose voice that was? That was Mikhail's voice. And yet so often we, we take that to be the truth. I've just read the scripture. I don't need to read it again. What was David wearing? A fine linen ephod. He had clothes on, guys. Good news, good news, good news. He wasn't naked. But you see, the voice that the enemy speaks becomes the voice that we take on so much. We need to stop doing that. We kick the voice of the enemy out because true freedom comes by knowing the voice of the Father over our lives. And his voice is going out even today in all the different things that we've been saying, all the different things you've been hearing. His voice is echoing over your heart and it's shouting this, you are mine. I love you. I've chosen you for a reason. You are the head and not the tail. I've given you a purpose. I'm calling you for freedom. Will you respond with me? Will you stand and rise with me? That's the voice that the Father is pouring out. Why was the ephod so important? Let me tell you, only priests could wear it. But here was David. He wasn't, and only priests were of the certain tribe, and that tribe was the Levites. David was of the tribe of Judah. He shouldn't even have been allowed to wear this, but yet he was. More so about the Levites. Of all the tribes of Israel, they were given an inheritance. So when they came back uh, after the times of the judges and Joshua um, led them into victory, they were all apportioned land, physical land. What a great blessing. Who wouldn't love land, right? 
And I'm like, Lord, I love your presence. I love being a Levite. And he says, just remember, they didn't get any land. Levites' inheritance was the Lord himself. They didn't have a portion. So here's David. He's wearing this ephod. What is he saying? Um, Here's what he's prophesying. He's saying, guys, I'm the king. But I don't even have any portion in leadership or anything other than Jesus, other than the Lord God Almighty, other than His Holy Spirit. The only thing I need is His presence. The only thing I need is His power. The only thing I need is His leadership. And he's prophesying as he dances in the ephod. He also put the ephod on because he tried it three months earlier and it failed. And Uzzah was struck down dead. So this time, I haven't read it, but you have to read the story in line with 1 Chronicles chapter 15. You get the priest's view of the same story. You see, David understood only the priests could carry the ark. But I want to be in the presence of God so much, I'm going to put the robe on. I know that God, you struck down Uzzah because he touched the ark. I'm not going to touch the ark, but I want to be as close as I can to your presence. So I'm going to wear this robe. Do you know that you're all called to be priests? Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, it might be 1 Peter chapter 4, it's around there. And he says this, but you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. What, what David is prophesying with this ephod is he's saying, my only possession is in the presence of God. My only source of resource is in the presence of God. My only inheritance is in the presence of God. He is everything that I need. And he was prophesying to a whole nation saying, what I've got access to now, you can have access to. What was reserved for a few people behind a veil, I'm now bringing out in front of everyone because you've got access to. It was the most beautiful picture of what we have access to right now through the Holy Spirit. So we got to remove the voice of the enemy. What else comes with the voice of the enemy? It's the fear of man. Every time we live in the fear of man, we, we live short of the fear of God. And embarrassment is simply this, living in the fear of man. Do you know that? That's what God wants to set us free from. And, and the, the, most, the most despicable thing that the enemy does with his voice is this. David danced unto the Lord, an act of worship. It was holy. The enemy calls what is sacred and holy worthless. That's what he's doing even in our lives. That's what he's doing in some of your lives. That's what he's doing even as he attacks marriages across the world right now. He calls things that are sacred and that are holy, he calls them worthless. And he uses his voice to belittle them. He uses his voice to make them small. I want to break off of you right now the power of the voice of the enemy. May your offerings never be under the scrutiny of the enemy, but may you hear the voice of God over them. May the joy of the Lord be living through you because that is what God wants you to do. Lord, would your voice thunder over us? I'm trying to bring this to to a conclusion this morning. The ephod, yeah, the priest's garments. God is our portion. God is our inheritance. God is our supply, but even more than that, when a priest wore a garment, the ephod, it was because he was called to minister to the Lord. So much of our ministry we think will be effective if we minister just to man first, and we can be so 
called after the needs that we see around us. But what David was realizing is that his primary ministry was unto the Lord. Jesus summed this up beautifully in Matthew 22, verse 37, where he's been challenged by an expert. The Bible says a Pharisee who was an expert in the law. I want to bring this out. Sam made this point. It's so good. We are not here to be experts, but we are here to have an expectation instead of what God can do amongst us. And he challenges Jesus. He says, come on, Jesus, which is the greatest of all of the laws. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, which I believe David was actually living out in this picture where we see him dancing. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That was the priestly call to minister to the Lord first. And then from that place, that's the greatest and first of all commandments. And then from that place, love others as you would yourself. I want you to know that there is not just freedom coming for you, but there is the greatest effectiveness of ministry and function in our lives today when we come and clothe ourselves as priests before the Lord. We dismantle fear, we dismantle pride, and we place ourselves under the mantle of a priest. We place ourselves under the covering of God Almighty who has called us to be ministers into His presence. The third one is whose opinion will you live by? You see, the enemy tries to force his opinion upon you. But David was naked. No, he wasn't. He was wearing the ephod. It tries to hinder the very worship of God. It tries to hinder the very mantle and the very place of identity that we come into. So how, how do we do this? How do we dismantle it? few points. You guys with me still? Yes. James, I'm going to miss you. May God, may God harvest a hundredfold what, what we send out in you. You've been a blessing. So James is ready. Are you guys at the back ready? Come on, demo. So, what verdict now will you give to the, what verdict now will you give to this spirit? This is what the first thing is, stop living with the enemy. You see, Michal was barren because David stopped cohabiting with her. There, there was a point that they arrived at that David said, no, no more. I cannot anymore entertain this. I cannot live with this. I cannot host this in my life anymore. And just like my story with the talents, we have to stop living with the enemy. We say, enemy, no more in our lives. We have to never back down. Never back down. When you hear the voice of the enemy, I want you to never back down. Down. This is not the time for giving up. This is not the time for giving in. This is the time for digging deep and for being clothed in the presence of God and understanding what he's saying. And, and I've got a few minutes. I know, I know that you guys are hungry, but we've got a few minutes. There is such a difference between understanding your errors and understanding spiritual attack. You see, David tried three months ago to bring the ark in and Uzzah died. He made an error and he stopped. And he sought the Lord. And he went back and consulted the scripture. But when he was up against the despising spirit through Michal, he didn't back down. You see, mistakes are things that we grow from. But spiritual attacks are things that we have to overcome. So never back down. And there, the faith. Can you imagine the faith that that man needed to go again? He had tried three months ago. Can you imagine the faith that he needed to say, I'm going to do this again? What was it that inspired faith in his life? Oh, I love this. 
We started in verse 12. It said this. Reports were sent to David of the goodness of God upon Obed-Edom's life. Let me tell you, God's goodness is going to start to inspire faith in you again so that you begin to act. And we never back down. So we speak to the spirits. We dismantle you in Jesus' name. We cast you down. You have no right in my mind. I am a child of God. You have no right in our minds because we are children of God. We are the head and not the tail. We're going to pray in a minute. We're going to pray. But then, so that we have to cast it down. We have to understand the difference between error and spiritual attack. We have to be clothed in our priestly robes, which is ministry unto the Lord. You know, the enemy would always want to try and attack you at the times that you spend with the Lord. If, if I wasn't, maybe I should have brought a, another phone and thrown this one a room, across the room just to symbolize for you. But whatever it is, I can't, yeah, whatever it is. The enemy wants to come and attack those times where you minister to the Lord. Let your ministry to the Lord rise to a new level. One little, one little thing that helps me in this. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The word love there was agape. There's so many different areas and words that were used for love. And we've kind of like just diluted the whole sense of love. And God, God is teaching us that when we love God, we, agape means to prefer See, Jesus preferred my life when he went to the cross. Jesus preferred your life when he went to the cross. Jesus lived in such a way that he preferred the way of his father over the way of the world. And so in our lives, when we minister to God, it's, Lord, I prefer you in this situation. When you turn the TV on, are you preferring Jesus Christ in your life? Because when we don't, we allow, we actually enthrone, we allow the, the mantling of these other spirits in our lives. And we're saying, no, I'm walking in purity. When we have a conversation, do we prefer the Word of God in our conversations? The way that we talk about people, the way that we talk to people? Are we preferring God's plan for our lives? And we, we, we know that all the other kinds of love are important. Like, I love God as a friend, like Philos and Eros. I love God, like, emotionally and romantically. But let me tell you, let's come back to that sacrificial love where I say, Lord, I give my life for you. And so we robe ourselves in the priestly robes. We get to celebrate. David said, I will become more undignified than this. There is a place where we never stop the celebration of what God is doing. And just that very act alone, it, it shakes off all of those cobwebs. It shakes off all of those things that the enemy wants to try and hinder us with and put across us. And then we also, we decree I love what David said. He made a decree when he was facing a confrontation of the enemy. He decreed truth. And I want us to stand. We're going to pray in a minute. And we're going to make these decrees as a church. This is basically what David was saying. I am chosen by God. For his presence to dwell in me. I stand in humility. I won't be silent anymore. I dismantle fear and pride. I put on a mantle of ministry to the Lord. And I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. To enthrone him in every area of my life for revival to break out. Yeah. We're going to see these decrees together at the end of this morning. But if, as I've been speaking, I've been talking about fear and pride and, and thinking and perspectives and whose voices are you hearing and whose opinion are you living underneath? 
And if you've just found yourself in any area where it's less than God's voice over your life, less than God's thoughts over your life, less than God's opinion over your life, and you're saying, Ryan, no more. This is a moment for freedom this morning. Just like I came to a place of deliverance, God, would you bring us into deliverance today? That's it. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, ready. You've been uh, enthroned in the procession of praise, but now we ask you to be enthroned at the very heart of our lives this morning. Not just for this moment, but for the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Teach us how to walk with you, Lord Jesus, in everything that we go through. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.